Good morning. It's good to see each of you this morning. Thankful for this privilege and opportunity that Kathy and I have to be here with you today and through this week. It has been quite some time since I've preached the extended meeting. I think uh, just a year or so ago that uh, was invited for uh, one of the three-night meetings, three different preachers uh, that spoke. Uh, but uh, it has been quite a spell since the extended meeting. As a matter of fact, I was thinking the other evening and actually looked but did not uh, find the actual date, but uh, I did have the note that it was uh, during the time when it was 11 sermons. Uh, there were three on Sunday and then two each day through, I think Thursday evening uh, uh, is what uh, the schedule was with that. Uh, somebody asked me, how did you do? I said, well, I preached everything I knew and then some, I believe. Uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was quite an experience. It took a couple of weeks to get over it. But uh, I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. I want you to know that uh, we love you and appreciate you. Know so many of you. Some uh, are newer faces to me. And I'm thankful for each of you and the Lord. I ask you this morning to uh, turn to the book of Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, verse 12. And then if you'd like, you can turn back and also hold your hand over into the book of Genesis chapter 3. As Brother Randy indicated, we're going to be talking about the grace of God this week. The Lord has put that theme upon my heart to talk about the goodness and the graciousness, the grace of God that has been bestowed upon us. I, I think that it is a subject that so often that we take for granted. We uh, know that the grace of God is wonderful and uh, it's greater than anything we've ever experienced, but we take it for granted in our life. And I want this week to look at why the grace of God is so amazing to us. And to do that, we're going to look at what Paul said to the church at Rome. And then we're going to go back and look uh, at where we begin to see that sin had a result on God's creation and that man then stood in need of the grace of God. Hope you'll come back tonight because after we have hopefully set this tone here, we're going to talk about tonight then that we are doomed but loved by God. Doomed but loved by God. Let's look at first the sin, uh, sin's results on God's creation. Romans chapter 5 verse 12, we find the word of God tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see here that there is a condition that uh, it befalls us in the fact that uh, there is uh, this sin that has entered into the world. Now turn back with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 3. And I'll ask you to stay there with me because we will be pretty much looking at what is found in these verses of Scripture to set the tone of this theme as we go forward. As we look at it, we see the beginnings of, of Genesis where God created all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything. And when he made each thing that he made, we find that there is a statement that is made behind every creation that is given. 
It is good. It is good. It is good. Those were the things that God had said when he, uh, of course, uh, made uh, those things that were made by him. However, we find as we move further along and come into the chapter uh, of Genesis chapter 3, we begin to see then that there uh, is sin that begins to mar man's life. It, it uh, begins to, to bring trouble into paradise. It begins to uh, create a situation in which we are involved, even as we uh, are extended family of Adam, uh, we find that it affects us even until this day. We look at sin and we see sin entering the Garden of Eden. It almost seems that it comes in poof, full grown. And it's, it's, a, it's an agitation upon the creation that God has made. The fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 is a, bad, a very sad story. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 are awesome in the sense that it speaks of, of the character and the, the, the kindness and it, the power of the Almighty God. But then in uh, Genesis chapter 3, we begin to find that there's a, a sad story, very sad story. All of a sudden, as God has created all of these things, as God has made this creation, he's formed man of the dust of the ground. He's breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man has become a living soul. And as man is placed in the Garden of Eden, a place of paradise, and is moving about and communing and walking and fellowship with God, kaboom, sin comes into the world. Sin enters into the world. As I said, it seems that it comes almost full grown. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And let's begin to look at some of the things that are transpiring. For it's these things that happen as we begin to look at them in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis that brings us to the need that we have for the amazing grace of God. So what we... To under, so what we need to look at to understand this amazing grace of God and how wonderful it is upon our life is we need to remember from whence we find ourselves standing in need or the creation of God standing in need of the amazing grace of God. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, let's begin reading and we'll read a few verses of scripture and then we'll make a few comments. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Did you catch something there? <laughs> Did you catch hold of something that's, that's in that statement? Did God say that? Did God say that? He didn't say it exactly that way. He said of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were not to eat. Of the other trees, they had liberty wherewith they could eat. And so we begin to see the subtleness of Satan in the Garden of Eden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. She was repeating what God had said. She was in sync, if you will, with God. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did you catch something else? 
God didn't say that they couldn't touch it. He said, don't eat of it. And so here, sin is beginning to get its foothold. Sin is beginning to creep in and lay its place in the life of man. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He was telling her, God's a liar. You can't believe what God Almighty said. He's a liar. Ye shall not surely die. In verse 5, For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And so we see that Satan now has brought into a place of paradise, a place of great joy and tranquility and peace, a place where man was walking in communing, in fellowship with God, that now Satan has brought into the Garden of Eden sin. Suddenly, there he is in all of his cunningness, There he is tempting Eve to do something that he himself had already done, and that was to rebel against God. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 14, in verses 12 through 15, we find the rebellion of Satan against God himself. In the 12th verse of the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He was placing himself as a God. Actually, he was placing himself, I believe, Brother Randy, higher than God Almighty himself. And so we find, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now Satan was a fallen angelic creature, and he endeavors to pass and does pass to his misery upon the rest of God's creation. So we find that as we look at that passage or these passages of Scripture, we can now a little bit better understand what Paul was saying to the church at Rome. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and I'm not talking about Satan, I'm talking about Adam. Is the figurehead of Eve, the figurehead of the home, the figurehead of mankind. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We fell in Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, we were in their loins, and we sinned also against God. And so we see now that as Satan is in the Garden of Eden, that he is challenging, challenging the Word of God. He is challenging them to, uh, to, to not obey God. He's challenging them 
to walk in the lust and the desire of their own flesh. But Satan's challenge, as he has challenged them, and as they succumb and as they fall into his hands, we here see as the word is twisted, the word of God is twisted. And as man is not strong enough in his own strength to stand against the power of Satan, that they fall into this temptation. And as they fall into this temptation, they now have sinned against God. And as we know, the scriptures teach us that when they sin against God, the fellowship was broken, and we know that they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They were cast out of paradise. And we know the curse that was put upon all of them. The curse that was put upon Adam and Eve, uh, Eve for, uh, in childbearing, upon Adam in the sense of the labor of his hands, of, of tilling and toiling in the soil with the thorns and the thistles that would be there. And so as we look at this, we see that there begins to be some very devastating effects of sin upon Adam and Eve and all of their posterity that would follow them. So sin has entered as a result of Eve succumbing to the temptations of Satan, but also through the disobedience of Eve as she partook and she ate of that fruit. But now, what are the devastating effects of that sin? Why is it important that we in our lives have this amazing grace of God? Why is it that we are in such great need of the amazing grace of God? We have it. We're blessed with the amazing grace of God. But really, why do we need it? Well, Paul is telling them in the Roman letter, as we read to you, that there is a reason, and it's because of sin and because of death. But let's back up and look really at the sense and, and get the sense, if you will, of the fact of why this amazing grace of God is so important because of the devastating effects of sin. First of all, there was an effect on Adam and Eve and us, as I've just said. When Adam and Eve were affected in verses 7 through 10, notice what sin did to them. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verses 7 through 10. Let's look at that for just a moment. Verses 7 through 10 in Genesis chapter 3. Notice, notice these words that, that are given to us. Let's go back and let's read, uh, if you will, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, let me remind you of something here. Does our God not see us at particular times? Is there any time, is there any moment in our life that God cannot see us? The answer to that is no. God sees us at all times. 
So here, they realize their guilt. They realize that that they are guilty before God and they're trying to hide themselves. But God knew where they were at. They were not fooling God in any way. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Well, God knows where we're at every moment, every second, every day. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're saying. He knows what we're thinking. There is nothing that is hidden unto the eyes nor the ears of God. But Adam replied and he said, uh, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou art naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman, here we go. You see how sin is already affecting you see, you see the devastation of, of, of sin. Now we find that Adam wants to believe or wants to blame God or God for giving him a help me. He wants to blame Eve for the fact that he is sin. Every one of us are responsible for the sins we commit in our lives. Each and every one of us, when we sin, it's not the fault of somebody else. It's not the fault of God. It's the fault of our disobedience to the God of heaven and earth who has called us by his spirit, who's brought us out of death and darkness into light and life in the Lord Jesus Christ and has called us to walk in the newness of life. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me gave me of the trees, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Well, at least she did finally tell a little truth, didn't she? She finally admitted. She owned up to the fact that she was beguiled, which means she was tempted, that she was led astray by Satan, and she partook of that which God told her that she was not to. Now, what's the effect? Well, verses 7 and 8, what do you see? And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They were naked. They knew it. They were exposed. They felt the guilt and the shame. This this is a passage of Scripture that reminds us of the fact of the guilt and the shame that sin brings into our lives. And so they tried to hide themselves. But notice also that it brought unto them a broken fellowship with God. In verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. What had been taking place in times past was that they were walking with God. I believe they were walking and talking with God. There was a, a communion, a fellowship with them as they went about the, uh, the presence of the garden going about. I, I don't know what they were talking about. I believe it was spiritual things. That's what, what my heart believes, that uh, the beauty and the, the glory, the grandeur of that place of paradise. And I believe that they were uh, thanking God from their depths of their heart for the beauty of the place in which God had given them and placed them in. 
But now that fellowship is broken. They're not wanting to commune with him. They're not wanting to walk hand in hand and fellowship with him. But now they're desiring to hide. And it's because of the guilt that this sin has produced and, and now this broken fellowship. But it also produced a fear. Notice verse 10. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was what? Afraid. I was afraid. Fear. The word afraid is translated into being fearful or having fear in one's life. I was afraid because I was, an, I was naked, and I hid myself. Let me remind you of something this morning, if it already has not flow, uh, flowed into your mind. Faith and fear are mutually exclusive in the Word of God. Now, what I want you to understand from that statement is this. As long as faith governs our lives, as long as faith in God, faith in God, believing and having faith in God, as long as that faith governs our lives, fear can never enter in. Faith is or fear is impossible to destroy our witness or to destroy us as those of the children of God. So faith and fear are mutually exclusive to each other. But I want you to realize also that this sin didn't just affect Adam and Eve. and It affected us. We're, it affected the entirety of the earth. But I want you to note this morning that it affected, and this is something that for many, many years, I, I, I never saw it until just some time ago, a year or so ago, this, this came into my mind. I began to, to research and to think about this a little bit deeper. But the sin affected the serpent himself. It affected Satan. Now, you might say, well, how did it affect Satan? Well, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, what had he done? He introduced sin into the Garden of Eden. He introduced sin into Eve and Adam's life. He said, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. He was already cast out of the presence of God the Father, and now there is the effect of sin because of his actions towards Adam and Eve. Now he is cursed even further. He is cursed because thou hast done this above all cattle, above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. But now this sin also affects the earth in which we live. It affects the, the world in which we live in. Verses 17 through 19. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. 
Thank you, Adam. We have to work so hard now, don't we? You know, I believe in the Garden of Eden. It was, uh, it was a place of beauty. I believe that God had the sufficiency of all that we needed. And now I can't even grow tomatoes <laughs> for the weeds. I mean, you can pull them one day and they're there the next. Twice as big. But you see, even the earth, thorns and thistles, shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return into the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. You know, I thought about that passage, for of dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. That's the portion of that passage of Scripture that points to the death that we have in our lives because of sin. Death, the death of man. I believe that life was perfect without sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Perhaps in the Garden of Eden there would have been no death had not there been the sinfulness of Adam and Eve as they listened to the serpent. And Adam and Eve were driven out of the Garden of Eden. They were driven out of this place of paradise. The earth upon which they lived from that day forward was in great contrast to the Garden of Eden. They now lived in a world that reflected the effects of their disobedience to God, a world of thorns and thistles and whose ground required hard work, hard labor before the fruit is yielded forth. We were then also left to live in a world that is marred by sin, scarred by sin, and that affects our lives even unto this very moment. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this morning, sin had a devastating, a very damning impact upon humanity, a damning impact upon your life and my life. That damning impact, that devastating and damning impact upon us is what Paul was talking about when he said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam and Eve not only forfeited their fellowship with God and cast what they did also was to cast us they, they, they forfeited a fellowship with God. But what they did cast us into total depravity. You and I, when they sinned and were separated from God, in that spiritual sense of being separated from the presence of God, you and I were separated with them. You and I were separated with them. They were depraved then. We are depraved even to this day. And it takes the amazing grace of God to bring us out of the total depravity in which we were cast into. 
So Adam and Eve not only forfeited their fellowship with God and cast us in total depravity, but they also passed the sentence of their sin upon us. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But praise God for the truth of hope we find in Paul's word to the Romans brethren. Turn with me to the fifth chapter of Romans again, and I want you to look at two verses of Scripture in closing with me. Romans chapter 5 verses 15 through and verses 21, here we find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We who were cast, this effect of sin uh, being cast upon the earth because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, uh, we were cast headlong into hell with Adam and Eve. We, were now, we are now depraved. We are sinful creatures. We are without hope outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what Paul said to the Roman brethren. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, we're talking about Adam, we're talking about the incident in the Garden of Eden. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. It's talking about us, dead in trespasses and sin. Much more the grace of God. Ah, now we see. Now we begin to see. He's talking and he's pointing us to this grace of God, this amazing grace of God, that as we have been cast because of the effect of sin, the effect that sin had on God's creation, we are a part of God's creation in that God breathed into man the nostrils the breath of life and that man became a living soul. We are included in that creation for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. It is abounded unto us the grace of God. We are not yet dead in trespasses and sin if we have been born of the Spirit of God and God's Spirit abides and lives within us. We are now the children of God with a hope, not cast headlong into hell and to burn forever and ever in hell, but rather we are lifted up and we are able to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 21 that as sin hath reigned unto death. He said that sin reigned unto death. Your death, my death, our spiritual separation from God. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto what? Eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, we fell with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Humanity was cast into depravity. We were separated from God. But there is grace greater than our sin. Grace that is greater than our sin. And that grace of God has lifted us out of the pit of miry clay. And he has set our feet upon the solid rock, the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, our hope is a reality and a truth that one day when this journey of life is done for us here on this earth, that we are not going to live having been cast headlong into hell, but our hope is a reality 
in that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord because of his amazing grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace. As we look, Father, into this passage of Scripture, and as it tells us that the offense of one created for us problems as your children, those in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world, Father, you had a solution for that. Even though we were doomed, we realize that we are now, we now realize that even when we were doomed, that we were loved by you. Thank you, Father, for sending your darling Son to bring to us the truth, the reality, not just a hope, but a truth and a reality of life eternal in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your amazing grace, which is bestowed upon our lives. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. Brother Randy.